when I'm playing a game, like nothing's more important than the video game in that moment, right? Like even if I'm even if I'm like looking after my kids in the house. It's the H Dog Pod with your host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 53, the Malcolm Smith edition of the podcast. Admit it, even if you're a sports fan, you probably don't even know who he is. Quite simply, he has to be one of the more obscure Super Bowl MVPs in history. He was the MVP of Super Bowl 48 when my Seahawks dismantled the Broncos 43-8. In that game, Smith had a pick six, a fumble recovery, and 10 total tackles as Seattle smashed Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Now, many clowns told me afterwards that it was such a boring game and one of the worst Super Bowls I'd ever seen. I get it. From a non-fan, it would have been dull because of the blowout, but I didn't give a flying fox that people hated it. I loved every single second of it. Not only did Smith win MVP in that contest, but the game before that in the NFC Championship against the 49ers, he played a pivotal role, again, in relative anonymity. Everyone, of course, remembers the classic rant from Richard Sherman after Seattle beat Michael Crabtree and San Fran. I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. It was Sherman who tipped the ball in the end zone that resulted in the game-clinching interception for the Seahawks. Who caught the ball? You guessed it, Malcolm Smith. I bring up Super Bowls because we're getting closer to this year's big dance. By the time this podcast airs, the matchup will already be known. However, I recorded this pod before the games were played. So I might look like a genius, doubtful, or an idiot, likely, discussing them with my next guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on a very special guest. He's the host of the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver, and I worked with him at TSN when he was a reporter and host for SportsCenter for many years. He's also the play-by-play voice in the last two NHL video games, NHL 20 and 21. We'll certainly delve into that. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, James Sobolski. Harrison, like you, how desperate were you for a guest to decide to get me on? <laughs> oh, you know, I, I think I went all the way down the list. I think you might have been, I, I want to say maybe 121, something like that, perhaps, yeah. or whatever. And I was like, yeah, you right. realize three of the, and you realize that three of those names ahead of me were dead. And then uh, <laughs> I got like, oh, okay, well, all right, I'll go with Sabalski. Yeah, oh, you know, <laughs> how you been, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. It's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny to think like, you know, you and I worked together for about seven years and, and I'm somewhat surprised. Like it's been, it's been hard to believe it's been almost eight years since, uh, since I left the, well, I mean, I, I guess it's been 10 years since I left the newsroom and then, uh, about almost 10, uh, I guess eight years since I left, uh, aging court, the old Niner diner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I always say, I mention that it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy how time flies. And obviously, yeah, you were at uh, TSN in the newsroom there, and then you did some radio for was it a couple of years, and then went to Sportsnet. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, decided to go back to the West Coast and and uh, avoid all those minus thirty days. Although and Toronto doesn't get too many minus thirty days, just just when the NBA All Star Game rolls into town, in case you're trying to recruit any players, I possibly, know. right? I know. I was. I remember that week. Actually, that week I went to a brag. I went to Dominican Republic for a golf trip. But uh, I remember, yeah, the NBA All Star Weekend. I was. It was so freezing cold. And I was like, oh no, that's killing the Raptors. Just, just like you said. Oh, that's so brutal. It's so warm here. You know what's funny? You know what? And you know what's funny? It, it, it's funny how weather does play a part in sometimes when people kind of keeping their fingers crossed that things will work out. Uh, I, I remember back when Vancouver was up for the Olympic Games 
in 20 for 2010. And so in 2003, there was the whole bidding process that they were going through at the time. And the international Olympic committee was coming into town for the, uh, for the IOC inspection. Right. And, you know, it was gray and damp. And at some point on the trip on this three day inspection, they were going to drive up from Vancouver up to Whistler on the sea to sky highway. And, you know, it's, it's a beautiful drive on a windy highway and just, you know, snow peaked mountains and bald eagles and the ocean that you're, you know, down below and just, just a, just a stunning view. Right. But on a wet gray day, it's crap. Wow. And so everybody was kind of like keeping their fingers crossed. Like, Oh my God, we just, please don't rain that day. And this is kind of late March. And so you just, you know, I mean, it's usually rain season at that time of the year. And it wound up just being a spectacular day. And it was just kind of funny how it was such a narrative to, oh, my God, it was sunny that day. And <laughs> it turned out to be a difference maker and that turned the tide and won Vancouver the games. No, oh, yeah. Well, what an Olympic Games those were, uh, obviously, with the Sydney Crosby Golden Goal. It's uh, the weather here in Toronto is so warm. Honestly, we have no snow at all. And it's like basically zero degrees. And yet people are still complaining all the time that it's so cold. It's just like you guys are such wimps. It is we're at the end of January, people. And there's no snow on the ground. But yet people always still have to complain. It's ridiculous. I, I remember when, when I first moved to Toronto, leaving Ottawa. And, and, I moved, and I moved in December of 98. And that was like the, one of the first things that kind of hit me going, wow, like there's no snow here. It's yep. warm, yep. you know, because you're usually, you're usually in Ottawa, you're usually, you know, you're used to about a foot of snow on the ground by the beginning of December, or at least somewhere, you know, by the end of, by, by mid-November, it's pretty much, okay, here it comes. At any point, like it's coming mm-hmm. and, um, and, and you're going to get dumped and dumped and dumped. But I, I thought it was, uh, I, I found it a significant difference right away. But then again, about two months later, we had to call on the army because there was like a 40 centimeter snowfall that came down and hammered us. So. Yeah. yeah nah, Such is life. Such is nah. life, buddy. <laughs> yeah, not so fun. Uh, I mentioned off the top of the NHL. I want to delve into the NHL games. Uh, very fascinated by uh, by all that. You don't want to just talk about what you don't want to just talk about weather. Uh, well, you know, we could do that for, yeah, the entire podcast. I think that'd be riveting <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. How'd you get involved uh, being the play-by-play uh, voice for the NHL 20 and 21? That's amazing. Well, I guess the, the readers, uh, I guess the, well, the, we'll go with the war and peace version, but you know, Davis Sanchez was kind of the guy who um, tipped me off on it and, and really kind of at least, got a door open for me to at least audition. And so Chesie, who's now an analyst over at TSN and uh, Davis wa- and I hosted a podcast for the CFL at the time called the waggle. And, and Chesie and I were, man, it's good. I, I, I guess it probably, we were like a couple of old ladies as sexist as it probably sounds in 2021, but you know, we would talk all the time on the phone. Like we would talk 24 seven, just brainstorming ideas about the podcast just ripping on people, you know, just talking <laughs> crap. And uh, and one night we were talking and he had mentioned that one of his best friends that he grew up with and played high school basketball with is is a lead producer at Electronic Arts uh, and part of the NHL uh, video game franchise. And so he had said, yeah, I was talking to my buddy and uh, they're looking for, uh, I guess they're auditioning a whole bunch of guys uh, for um for the nhl video game and they're looking for a new broadcast team and 
you know, and he had mentioned a few of the names and I thought to myself, man, like, holy crap, I'd love to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I said to Jesse, I said, do you think you could ask your buddy to, if I could, if I could audition, like, could I just take a swing at the plate? And he said, yeah, I could, I could ask him. And within a couple of days, I got, um, I got an email from uh, somebody uh, in human resources or legal department at Electronic Arts out of California. And they said, hey, we'd like to schedule an audition with you. I was like, wow, that's cool. And so I went in for an audition. And um, and it was funny because that day I was going in for an audition. I, I was hosting my morning show on, on Sportsnet 650 here in Vancouver. So, you know, up and at them early in the morning. But we had won a trip to Maui earlier in the year. And so we were set to take the kids. And, you know, when I say take the kids, like my better half and I, like Brent and I pulled a Brady bunch a few years ago. And so we kind of blended our families. So we got four little girls between the two of us. And so here we were, okay, we'll finish work in the morning. And then we got to get to the airport and hop on a flight, which is no short flight, right? It's a six hour flight from Vancouver to Maui. And so I offer, in between, I had to go to the electronic art studios to go and do this audition. So I race over into to the studios and I go in and man, like everybody was so cool. And, and they give me this, um, they show a couple of video packages in terms of what to do for, you know, they say, call it how you see it. And, uh, and I did, and just kind of rattled off, uh, you know, just, I'm kind of a high energy guy to begin with. And, just kind of called it and, you know, had a couple of cheesy one-liners that I'm sure people, you know, still roll their eyes about when, when they hear my name. And, um, and off I went and, you know, kind of heard the producers and the bro- and the production team and the editors and the engineers kind of giggling a couple of times. So I thought, ah, okay, you know, there's never a bad thing when you kind of pop the room. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's always a sign that you're doing something right when you, you know, if you pop the control room, if you will, right, from a from a TV broadcast standpoint. And so I kind of, you know, took that a little, an, an internal pat on the back for myself. And I kind of left the uh, the building and I it's kind of like, you know what, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I, I, that was fun. Like, I, I, I think that went well. And and then I had to race to the airport to get through customs and go hop on this plane and, and kind of forgot about it, as silly as it sounds. Um, you know, you're on vacation, you're relaxing and um, about a month went by, so it was really kind of out of sight. I think it maybe popped in my mind once just going, you know what? That was fun. I'm glad I at least auditioned. And if I don't hear anything back, I'm at least glad that I gave it a shot. And then I, out of the blue, I get an email from, uh, you know, the HR legal team and they just, Hey, we, we've kind of created a short list here for the video game and, and your name's on that short list we'll probably have an announcement in the next week or, or 10 days. And I was like, Oh, well, this is cool. <laughs> and, and then, and then, yeah, well, business picked up on the email, but then another month went by and I didn't hear anything. Oh, damn. So, so you're like, okay, well, I, well, you know, it was still nice to be considered. Right. And kind of, okay, I'll take it as a small victory. And then a month goes by and I get an email again saying, we'd like to try a chemistry test with you. Could you come into the studio for another screen test kind of thing? I'm like, oh, okay, let's get serious. It's kind of round two. And so I went in and uh, who do I run into in the parking lot is Ray Ferraro. And and I now I had heard like the, the producers had talked about Ray in the past and I'd heard them 
they were big fans and Ray had been in a smaller part of the game in past inclinations or incarnations of it. And so I kind of saw Ray and I'm like, Oh man, I know you're going to be part of this because they love you and what you can do. And Ray's just awesome at what he does. Like Ray's a great analyst. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then Ray kind of says, well, all I know is like, whatever you did last time, keep doing it because it sounds like they love you. And I was like, wow, that's great. So mutual admiration society and Ray and I go in and, we do about 15 minutes of back and forth. And um, and I think it was easy and it was fun. And uh, just like that, they were like, okay, thanks very much. And we'll keep you posted. And then like another month goes by. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh my God, like, Jeez. why is this moving at such a slow pace here? And then I finally get another email and they're, they're like, look, can you come in for one more audition? And I was like, okay, now you're like, holy shoot. Okay. This, I want this now. I don't, you know, and uh, so I go in and, you know, it was, there was a producer on the team, David Pritchett. And he had kind of said to me, you know, we got to make sure with you, we really like what we've got, but, you know, in a, in a grand scale, you know, you're a, you're an unknown commodity from a conventional NHL play-by-play standpoint, right? Like I, I haven't been an NHL play-by-play guy. I'd love to be, I have always wanted to be, but that opportunity never really presented itself. And, um, you know, uh, as much as I had kind of lobbied bosses and producers over the years, it was, uh, you know, like nobody ever took me up on the opportunity to try to do it. And uh, outside of calling a few football games, I had called hockey when I was when I was you know younger in the business. But, you know, you start going with the jobs that pay and I became a reporter and, uh, you know, talk show host and and a show host, but you know, the, the live events were always kind of the hallowed ground, right? We're outside of doing sideline reporting. So, you know, where people I think are familiar a little bit about what I've done across this country, um, you know, in the U S I had zero currency and, uh, or around in other parts of the world for that matter. And so they asked me to do one more audition and just kind of explaining like, you know, and you look at the history of the game, and I don't know how much you've played, you know, NHL from EA Sports over the years there, Harrison, but, you know, it was Jim Houston, you know, who's been hockey night in Canada for how long, right? Um, and then it was Gary Thorne as their play-by-play guy who was the voice of ESPN hockey for so many years. And then, you know, Doc Emmerich, who was essentially the voice of hockey in America for, you know, the last, what, quarter century or 30 years or more. So, you know, who the hell is James Sabalski? But I went in for did one more audition and they said, okay, we'll let you know in about a week or so. And man, they were true to their word. I waited seven freaking days and every text and email that came on my phone, I was like, oh, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> and finally, I got, and fun, finally, one, uh, one week later, I got a call from uh, Sean Ram Jag Singh, who was a longtime friend with Davis Sanchez and who's one of the, the lead producers of the, uh, of the NHL franchise for EA sports um, called me and said, Hey, you're, uh, you're our guy. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in this business for a long time and to do some cool spit, but man, being named that you're going to be part of a video game. You grew up playing, man, that was the cat's ass. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's amazing. Uh, no question. How many lines did you have to say? Like, and, and how long did it take? Did it, did it, like, did it get annoying having to say, like, I, I would imagine, it must have been quite a lot of uh, content for you to turn out. There are days where it's kind of like, do you like, like, do you ever have a, 
you ever go to a barbecue and have like a sausage or late at night at the end of a, a night, maybe out on the town, you know, you stop for some street meat and you're like, oh, this is so good. Like you ever have those experiences there, Harrison? After Blue Jays games, yeah. uh, usually it is the street sure. meat for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right after a ball, you know, at a ball game, you're having a sausage or whatever. Well, do you ever want to know how it's made? Interesting. Interesting. Uh, no, yeah. but for and, the purpose and, of this, yes. <laughs> yeah, and and so in this good point, and <laughs> in this particular case, there are days that are are a lot of fun, and it's just like, man, I can't believe I get paid for this. And then there's some days where it's just. You know, you're just grinding it out, making sausage. And we call those days phone book days. And that's where you're just rattling off somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,500 names, just one after the other uh, to get those names in the game, right? And and it's an important, it's, it's a super important part of the game uh, of what you need. But, you know, as the game gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper, and more expansive, and now on a on a fifth generation console, right for PlayStation, you you look at where where the games evolve to. So I I get I'm under a contract that I do about 250 to 300 hours a year for the game. Wow! Right, and so now I've done two seasons, so I've done somewhere between. 500 to 600 hours approximately of just commentary in the game. So that's, and that's, that's me, right? And then you factor in how much that Ray's added into that as well, right? And some days we're together doing sessions and then some days that Ray's solo and some days I'm solo. So um, there's some days that are a lot of fun with some creativity with goal calls or just kind of reacting to stuff with Ray uh, and then there's uh, other days where it's just moves the puck to the right side, moves the puck to the right winger, moves the puck over to the right wall. And it's just, you know, you you, you want to say the same thing 10 different times, but make it different, but not ridiculously different, if that makes sense. So you, you want it to sound natural, like every once in a while, you can be a little cheeky or a little clever, but you don't want it to be... You don't want it to stand out too much to where go, you know, somebody playing the game. What the hell is he saying or talking about here? You want to try to make it seem like it's it's the flow of the game, right? So, you know, it's um, you know stepping across the the blue line into the uh, the attacking area. You know, okay, say that five to seven different times, but just be different enough that it seems natural. So, you know, you know across the line, gains the zone, you know, into the attacking area. Here they come on the rush. You know, it, it's that sort of, that sort of just, you're just changing just a word or two. And some of it doesn't just sounds the same, but as the commentary flows, you know, as you start stitching all the different phrases together, you know, moves the puck to the right side, into the attacking zone. Here they are as a chance, you know, and, and now you're coming up with these different opportunities. That's where, you know, you're trying to stitch everything as seamlessly. And, and the other important part is also trying to maintain that that baseline of energy that you have um, consistently throughout the game. And as somebody who was a high energy guy, you know, I'm pretty much just like this to kind of start the game. And here we go. Here's the fuck over here. So it's you know, it requires a lot of mental focus for the four hours or five hours that we do every session that, you know, you're 
it's not that I'm shouting. I mean, definitely for goal calls, I'm shouting, but you know, it's, it's a lot of intensity. Here we go. It's the biggest game of the year, you know, for, and that was what I wanted to try to approach for, for the game that, you know, as a gamer, when I'm playing a game, like nothing's more important than the video game in that moment. Right. But even if I'm, even if I'm like looking after my kids in the house, like my focus is more so on the video game in that time. So I want to try to sorry kids, but, but, but I want that to can be conveyed that when you're sitting down, whether you're playing against your buddies, whether you're playing a playoff game, whether you're playing just regular season, I want that game to feel intense. And that's what I want from my play-by-play broadcasters. And that's the approach that I've tried to take it, treat it the way I want to take it. And so I try to treat it with the intensity that obviously it's a video game. So you can kind of, you know, pick up a little more. I like that sort of call. Like I like the play-by-play guys. Like I love when Kevin Harling gets amped up, you know? I mean, to me, I feel like, as a play-by-play guy, you're kind of a salesman, right? You're selling the broadcast, you're selling the event, and I, I you know, they're a little bit of hype, man. But I want to kind of embrace like the energy of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, uh, you were wondering, uh, you know, uh, if I'm a big gamer or if I play these NHL games. I used to, I was obsessed with NHL games, probably from like '94. NHL '96 was my favorite one, the first one where you can make a bunch of trades, which was amazing. And then yep. up until uh, for somewhere along the way, maybe a couple of years ago, I can't quite put my finger on it when I stopped sort of playing it. It might have been about two years ago, I think. I can't figure out why, though, that I stopped. Like right when I, right when I started, eh? You oh, 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 geez. Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah, I didn't even realize. That's not funny, Harrison. That's not funny, Harrison. <laughs> uh, I'm just teasing. But uh, no, that's, an, that's, that's such a cool opportunity that you've been able to do that. Uh, I love that so much. Uh, speaking about other hockey uh I'm assuming out there in Vancouver, the pitchforks are out. Uh, 28 goals against the first six games. Uh, I'm seeing on Twitter a lot of fans uh, going for uh, Jim Benning. Uh, it must just be uh, mayhem out there. The fans not so happy. I don't think we're in full-blown, like, toxic, uh, you know, kill everybody sort of moment. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's six games in. And I think the ones that are trying to preach patience are kind of losing that battle right now. Um, you know, and the reality is, is this team was expected to like, you know, there's depending on who you talk to, there are some people that thought that you could make a case like, look, outside of Ottawa, I think you could make a case for every team in the division to win the North this year. Right. Like mm-hmm. the, the poutine division, you know, outside of Ottawa, you can make a case for the Leafs, you can make a case for the Jets, you can make a case for the Oilers, the Flames, and and the Canucks, right? And the Hats, for that matter, who I picked to win the division. But Pedersen is a shell of the person that we've all fallen in love with over the last two years. Yeah, first time... He's got, uh, one, point, he's got one point this year. Yeah, first time he's ever had uh, been pointless in five straight games in his career. That's... Uh, yeah, no, and, 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 and it's... Yeah, and he doesn't, like... And it's noticeable that he is... Like, who is this guy? Like, what's happened to Petey? And, you know, you've got a bunch of loyalists that are kind of, don't worry about Petey, he'll be fine. And it's like, okay, so how long do you keep saying that? Right? Like, how long? Like, okay, he's going to have to find his way. But if you look at Nathan McKinnon, you go back, Nathan McKinnon, you know, there's a precedent. You know, he broke into the league and had a great rookie of the year campaign, but Nate Dogg kind of fell off the map there for a few years, right? You kind of started going, 
eh, is this guy going to be as good as we all thought he was going to be? Because it doesn't look like it right now. And it took McKinnon kind of flopped for a couple of years, right? I think his second year, he only had about 38 points. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to see quite like that from Petey, but right now he is such a peripheral player and we're just not seeing that sort of engagement from Pedersen that made him such a dynamic player to where, you know, there are some people on, you know, you're ranked the top 50, depending on certain lists. Like there were some, I think the hockey news had him at number eight. Right. And it's shocking to see where he's kind of gone this season, but you know, the shot's not there. The creativity's not there. And you know, horrible turnover against the Habs the other night. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just all of it. It's just not clicking for this guy. Yeah, it is. What's going on in the background there? I'm very, very intrigued. Uh, it seems like something interesting. I'm unloading on. the dishwasher. <laughs> I, th- I thought uh, I was like uh, very intrigued. I thought there was something uh, very more, much more fascinating. If I'm honest, uh, that's yeah. I'm wrestling so with funny. my plates. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, 38 points uh, in his second year for Nathan McKinnon. I, d- I didn't even remember that. Uh, 2014-15. Uh, yeah, that's no, and that's wow. it. Like you think it, like Nathan, like Nathan McKinnon right now is in the same conversation with Connor McDavid, right? You know, Nathan McKinnon, if, if like if, if there's a hockey pool that I'm having there, that there's a draft and I and if somebody's taking Connor McDavid first, I'm taking Nate Dog number two. You know, I would even consider taking Nathan McKinnon first overall with the team he's got this year. But there was a time and, and McKinnon's what, twenty-five? Like it wasn't that long ago that he was trying to find his way in the NHL. Yeah, no, it's it's not, obviously it's a incre- incredibly difficult league, uh, no question about that. Uh, so we're recording this before the AFC and NFC uh, title games to switch sports. Uh, so we're, we either can look like geniuses or uh, morons if we're wrong. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, it's a moron for me. That'd be that'd be funny. Uh, who are you thinking is going to be in this in the uh, Super Bowl? Well, I've I've, I've invested. I, I recently purchased a uh, a graded ten Patrick Mahomes rookie card. So my money is literally on the. Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but I, look, I you know what, man? Like living in Southern Ontario for so many years, growing up in Ottawa originally, you know, the regional team for NFL broadcasts with all the network affiliates, it's been the Bills, right? The yeah. Bills, like now it's the Seahawks, which, man, how jealous are you? Um, but the Bills, and, and good God, like I don't know if people ever really appreciated the fact that that team went to four straight Super Bowls. Insane. But it's insane to think about that now. And yeah. unfortunately, they came up short in all of them. But, but Fudge. Like four straight Super Bowls. Like what a dynasty. You know, and, and you look at that team like Andre Reed and Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and, you know, Bruce Smith. My God, what a beast he was. And Cornelius Bennett and the list goes on and on. Um, that's a wonderful story to see them back. And they've won like what? They've lost the only game they've lost in the last twelve straight weeks is the one, you know, the Hale Murray pass. Right. But you know, I say all that, but man, Kansas City at home, the defending champs, and what they can do. I mean, man, look at what Chad Henney did at the end of the game. Like that team has weapons, and I know the Bills do, and Josh Allen's great, but I'm not taking anybody over Patrick Mahomes right now. Mm-hmm. No way. Uh, it's definitely no, no question to be tough. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, I would love to see Buffalo. Both those four uh, losses in the Super Bowl, though, for Buffalo, obviously, uh, as a fan and as a player, obviously, you want to win a Super Bowl. But isn't the lore of the Bills even more interesting that they had lost all four of those? If they'd have won one of them and lost three of them, I don't think it would have been a, such an amazing story. The fact they went to four straight and lost all four is kind of a, it's kind of a, in a weird way, a, a fun way to be remembered. Uh, I'm sure the players obviously would disagree, but uh, in terms of a, yeah, a no, non-biased fan. I, I, no, I don't. I, no, because I think it's because, you know what? Because for such an incredible accomplishment, they became a butt of a joke. I think it probably agonizes those guys. Like a lot of those guys still kind of set up shop in Buffalo, but, but I would say that, man, that's got to be agonizingly hard. For those guys to to deal with that right when you're constantly enduring the oh, okay like you know you lost four straight you lost four straight you know and they were right there they were a field goal away from from winning that first one and, and what does that change the approach for the yeah. years like they got wiped out on a couple of them but you know if you win one of those four yep. you know how does that change history in terms of you're probably talking about one of the greatest dynasties in the sense that, yeah, they only won the one Super Bowl, but man, they went to four straight Super Bowls, and you've got that legacy of being a champion. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't think that's part of the charm. I mean, I think for Buffalo as a diehard sports fan, you probably wear that as a badge of honor. Like, man, I've suffered, I have suffered yeah. four championship games. I've dealt with this crap. Uh, you know, and you look at the, you know, the Sabres who've been inept and missing the playoffs for all these years. Um, you know, I, I think like Buffalo's gone through just a horrible kick in the ass from a sports standpoint. And, you know, man, like you've been to those games at Orchard Park and at Ralph Wilson Stadium or whatever New Era. They actually New Era pulled out, but you know, you look at the history. Like, man, like going to Buffalo was just it was crappy for a long time. Like. You know, fans just absolutely wasted because the team was out of it. And it just, it was uncomfortable. It wasn't a family atmosphere going to a Bills game for the longest time. And I think now that fun is starting to come back. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Yeah, actually, as much as uh, uh, you're right about the Chiefs and obviously Mahomes, I would think it could be, I'd like to see Buffalo play Tampa Bay. Uh, Tom Brady against uh, the Bills in the Super Bowl, I think that'd be a really cool story. And man, it's... it's, you know, no, you don't like. Do you, do you like? Uh, you want to see? You want to? You want to see? Tom, you want to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl? I just uh, because he's on Tampa. If he was with New England, well, obviously it wouldn't be against Buffalo then. But uh, no, but because of the story that he went to Tampa Bay and uh, could win another Super Bowl, I don't necessarily want him to win it. I would like to see him uh, lose to whoever it is either Casey or Buffalo. But just just to see him in the game would be, would be pretty interesting. Plus, I don't love the Packers. Well, so okay, okay. So so let me let me ask you this then. So Tom Brady gets to another Super Bowl and loses. And that suddenly gives them what six and four record in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, does that does that change? Like, does that change his legacy at all when you, you the losses start to pile up? But it's, it's I mean, like he's still a, a six-time Super Bowl. He's still a six-time Super Bowl champion. But you know, does that change the legacy if you start becoming more of a five hundred quarterback in the championship game? Well, that's sort of like Le- with LeBron James, right? Where uh, it's sort of same. Is LeBron four and six, I think. In the final, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think he is anyway. What is he? He's got, uh, what's he got? Four four wins and, yeah, I think he's got. Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure it's four. One with the Lakers, one with Cleveland, two with Miami, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, it's like, but you've been, you know, you've been there all those times, which is amazing. Yeah, of course, if you don't win them all, it's like, well, it's uh, definitely, but it was just, you know, it's just so fascinating, the story. Uh, 
I love Bruce Arians as well. So I like to see Buffalo against uh, Tampa Bay. I, I just, you know what? I look, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those Super Bowl matchups. You know, Tampa's gone a long time without success too. And there's a lot of fun stories there. And obviously the Brady narrative, uh, you know, I like Tom Brady, man. Like he's, he's done. He's been great. You know, Aaron Rodgers has just absolutely torn my heart out a million times as a long suffering bears fan. Mm. Uh, but it's funny. Like he's one in three in, in NFC championships. Yep. Yep. I don't think Rodgers is going to get denied. Like this is the best version we've ever seen of Aaron Rodgers. Give me the Packers at home to take care of the business there. And I think what Packers at minus three chiefs at minus three or in and around. I think, I think the home teams both take care of business this week. It's funny how the narratives change, right? With, uh, you know, with Mike McCarthy in green Bay, it's like, Oh, they only won one super bowl. Like he's terrible. They should have won more. But yet Sean Payton only won one with uh, the Saints, with Drew Brees, but yet for some reason everyone loves Sean Payton, but yet hated Mike McCarthy. It's just sort of weird how the narrative is. It was literally the exact same thing. They both only won one chip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, and that's like Aaron. And here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has like, you know, been in the discussion at a time where Brady and Manny, like peak years in the NFL, and Aaron Rodgers was in that discussion with those guys as being the best quarterback in the league. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And right. Honestly, like it, you could you could say it even like, you know, still solid years with Peyton and Indy and and Brady in, in New England and Rodgers in Green Bay. And it's like, who do you got? Who, like, which quarterback are you taking? And man, there were a lot of times I was saying, give me Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Rodgers, like one Super Bowl, like checks the boxes. He's a Super Bowl champion. There's no denying that. But you're one in three in NFC championships, and you never had to go the road of having to face Brady or Manning in a in a conference championship. That's a good point. Right? Great point. Like there's been like Drew, like Drew, like Drew Brees, like Drew Brees has been there, obviously in the NFC for a long time. Russell Wilson's been around for close to a decade now. Like there's obviously great quarterbacks, and both those guys will be in the Hall of Fame. But they don't. Neither of those guys have the legacy of Brady and Manning. And I don't think Russ and I don't think Russ and Breeze are in that conversation, that echelon of no. Brady and Manny, right? No, no. And those two guys had to go through each other, you know, for 15 years. Brady and Manning had to go through each other. So if you wanted to get to the Super Bowl, you'd either have to go and win in Indy or New England, right? Like at some point you were going to run into those teams. And there were some great Baltimore teams as well. I don't think Rogers ever had that sort of that roadmap that was like, holy crap. We got to go through here. That's a, like yeah, the NFC right. hasn't had that in the last decade, right? And I think that's something that, man, as good as he's been, one Super Bowl getting out of the NFC, really? That's a, a fantastic point. I love that. I hadn't even thought about it in those terms before, but uh, absolutely true. Uh, I'll, get, I'll get you out of here on a couple of short things here. Uh, uh, all those years that you've been in the, in the business, in, in the industry, uh, radio, TV, everything, uh, most embarrassing moment. Do you have one? <laughs> most embarrassing? Um you know what's funny? I, it didn't hit me at the time. Obviously, there, there's the the Bruce Wilson moment um, on live television with uh, with Bruce Willis uh, courtside at a Raptors game. Oh, where right, I forgot about that. That was uh, that is, I think still lives in in YouTube infamy. Absolutely, one of the most recognizable faces on the silver screen, Bruce Willison. Bruce Willison. Bruce, we're two months away from the release of your latest uh, Die Hard installment. Unbelievable! I just saw last week. Better than the first movie, I personally think. Better in the first one. Well, then yippee Kaye, thanks for Kaye, motherfucker. Um, that was one that you know what's funny. I was in, I was mortified a day later when I realized what had happened. 
but not in the moment I wasn't embarrassed. Um, and then kind of laughed about it, you know, it took a few hours and then kind of just chuckled about it and have done so for the last, what, 15 years or so. But I'm trying to think, you know what, there was, there was, there was one, actually, I was, uh, when I hosted Sabalski and Company on 1050, about 10 years ago, I was co-hosting with one of my closest friends, Sean McCormick, who is married to Jennifer Hedger. And Sean and I are good buddies. And we had Dave Mustaine from Megadeth on the radio. And um, he was on and uh, asked him, uh, hey, you know, what what are you up to these days? And like, you know, obviously there's been a lot about your history with uh, with Metallica. And, you know, in the documentary really kind of painted this, you know, the relationship and, and the emotions and the hard feelings about it with with Metallica and Megadeth and how Dave Mustaine was originally in the band. And I kind of said, you know, have you guys, have you guys, you know, made peace after all these years? And Mustaine kind of has this long pause over the phone as we're interviewing him. And he's like, have you like, have you never heard of the monsters of rock tour that we've been touring with Metallica for the last how many years? (laughs) And and uh, I was like, oh, I got it. You know, and, uh, you know, and I like to fancy myself as a rock fan. And uh, it was just like, uh, oh, McCormick's just looking at me dumbfounded, like not chiming in. And, uh, and, and and so now here's Mustaine. Like, are you from like another planet? Like, are you like, what, what's wrong? Like, basically, you know, stop short of calling me a flipping idiot. But I think he may have called me an idiot on the air. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely it definitely one of those. Uh, oh, OK. And, you know, that uncomfortable sort of pause and hesitation on my part. It was just, you know, squirming and you just kind of want to climb into a hole and you realize I'm on the radio right now. and This is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I can yeah. Imagine. So I think that, that one comes to mind. of just being like, man, I sound really stupid right now. This is embarrassing. <laughs> oh man. That's, uh, that's a great story. Uh, well, this is uh, James has been a blast. I, I just want to say this story before I get you out. Uh, many years ago, I was doing the highlight packs uh, for the Canadian open golf tournament. And I was also doing, uh, you, you were doing the post reports from the tournament. And uh, you asked me after the tournament on Sunday, you said, hey, are you a big golf guy? Like, I assume so, because you're doing the tournament. I said, yeah, huge, a huge fan. And I will never forget this. And it was such an amazing gesture. Uh, you gave me a press pass and some souvenirs from the tournament in my uh, cubby hole the next day at work. I just thought that was an unbelievable gesture that, you know, things like that are just amazing. Like, it doesn't have to be, any, uh, you know, a big, uh, cost a lot of money or some, any, just... Something that as small as that is was a huge thing. I still remember that, James, and I, and I loved that. And I thought, uh, you know, I, well, I already knew before that you're such a great guy for that. And I appreciate uh, you doing that. You doing that. You know what, Harrison? Thanks, thanks for saying so, man. I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things that I, I, I really appreciate over the years running into guys that were on the row uh, in the newsroom. That, you know, I like to think of myself that you know, when I started at TSN, I started as a reporter. And so it was kind of more in an on-air sort of capacity, but, you know, there was, you know, I felt like there were a lot of times over the years, like, you know, I, I, I was in the trenches at one time and I think people that kind of work their way up, um, you, you understand, you know, what it's like and work hard. And I think you aspire to a certain thing. And, you know, I also knew how hard it was to try to get off the row and, and when you're just always in there. But, man, as a sports fan, you want to be in the arena, too, right? And 
I think the one thing that, uh, you know, that I've enjoyed about being in this business is I was always a fan at heart. And, um, and so I would appreciate like those little things that, you know, to be able to get out and play and, you know, Mark Rowe come, bringing him out for, for an opportunity to shoot a couple standups and, um, just, you know, follow me along, do a job shadow and, and just, I, I, it sounds self-serving talking about this on my part, but you know, and I, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm just patting myself on the back, but you know, knowing where I was at certain points when I was first breaking into the business, looking for those opportunities, you know, it meant so much to me. Um, and I, and I always appreciated like, you know, whether hearing from Mark or even what you're saying, you know, how much it meant, like, you know, I don't know, man, I'm just a big believer in treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, like I saw, I saw this woman who, I, it turns out this lady lives about a block from me and I was in returning bottles at a, at a recycling depot and realizing just how much wine I consumed the other day as I was getting all this money back. <laughs> but, you know, this lady was like, you know, they'd come in with the, the, the dolly that with that the store has that you bring in all the empties and, you know, the gentleman behind the counter just asked her, oh, can you just put that back out in front of the store? And, and she just stopped and turned around and said, you work here. I don't. I'm not doing that. And walked out. And I was like, man, you sound like such a jerk doing that. And then I kind of looked over my shoulder, like, who would say that? And I was like, oh, my God, that's a neighbor of mine. Like, I will never look at that individual the same way again after that. Wow. Yeah, and I just I'm a big I'm just I, I'm just a believer of treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think that um, I think, you know, you'll be fine in life. You know, you, you may not be a gazillionaire. But I think if you treat people the way you want to be treated, I think I'm a believer in karma. You know, you reap what you sow. And I think if you're a good person in life, then, you know, I think people will be good back to you. And so I hope by sucking up to you and giving you some golf souvenirs all those years ago, you look at that. You paid it forward and had me on your show after all this time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm uh, so glad to get you on, James. It's been awesome. And uh, yeah, just good uh, catching up again. It's been, it's been a while. Appreciate it. Buddy, I, I'm so happy. I, I love it when when I see you on camera on, on Jay and Dan and seeing you part of the show. Uh, you know, dude, you're you're one of the fun ones that always made, you know, those weekend Saturday nights when we were working till three o'clock in the morning, uh, waiting for all these hockey highlights to, to finish up. Um, it was always nice to, you know, I always felt good seeing when Harrison was was on the row and and certain individuals. So that was uh, it's cool, man. It's nice to catch up all, after all this time. And uh Here's hoping uh, maybe we'll see you out on a trip uh, when we get back to normalcy. Maybe we'll have to do a road trip to Seattle for a Seahawks game at some point. I would love that. I've never been to a Seattle game in Seattle. I've been to one in Toronto against the Bills, but never out there. That'd be incredible. I'll tell you what, you got a place to stay in Vancouver for one night anyway if, uh, before we head down to Seattle if you want. Sounds good. Thank you so much, my friend. Uh, appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. That was an absolute blast talking to James Sabolski, who, like I said, is such a great guy and a terrific broadcaster. I was especially intrigued to hear how many hours he puts in to be the play-by-play voice of NHL 21. That would be really cool to do, but I'd imagine it would be a grind, as he said. His two most embarrassing stories were legendary, too. I'd completely forgotten he called Bruce Willis Bruce Wilson at that Raptors game. Bruce Wilson! Bruce Wilson! Yikers! He's taken the Chiefs and Packers to be in the Super Bowl, and just for fun, I'll go the opposite and say Bills versus Buccaneers. Like I said in my intro, I'll probably look like an idiot. You can catch our show, The Starting Lineup, on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver and follow him on Twitter at aptly named at James Sabolski. 
Thank you for listening to episode 53 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.